I want to go ahead and, and I'm just going to take a few minutes here and, and review because, you know, we can tend to forget some of the highlights. We said our purpose is to discover God's original plan and purpose for true manhood, to challenge you as men of God to become the husbands, fathers, and leaders that you were destined to be. You know, God destined you to be a good husband, a good father, and a leader. There's a, a few things. Let me go over this. We said that God is a generational God, and often the purpose for a man's life is to be fulfilled in his seed or by others into whom he has imparted vision. And what comes to mind there concerning that is the fact of David and Solomon. David did everything he could for his son to build the temple. He amassed a great fortune of materials and money so Solomon could fulfill, you know, the, the godly vision. So, you know, as men, I've thought about, there's some things I might not fulfill as a man of God in my lifetime. But what I put into my sons could carry it on into the future. Amen? We said man was created to exercise dominion. His power to reign in life will extend only as far as his faithfulness to obey God's law. Number two, we said men can only comprehend or understand their identities and purposes from their Creator. When men operate in their God-given purposes, their, their identities are secure. However, when men abandon their created purposes, their identities are compromised. We said that men will never be able to comprehend those purposes if they're blinded to the original purpose for man. Man's original purpose was to cover his family, to protect and to provide for them. Number four, we said God created everything to be covered. Whenever something lacks covering, it is vulnerable to attack. A man who fails to realize his responsibility to cover will also misrepresent what it means to be a man. So if you're not providing for your family, you and I, if we're not protecting our family, we're not covering our family. We're not fulfilling our, our godly purpose. Amen? We said that, uh, number five, authentic or real manhood is reflected by fatherhood. No man can provide for his family or protect them from a distance. So if you're gone all the time and the wife is, you know, raising, being both parents to the kids, it's going to be tough. We also said that the father is responsible for order in the home. It is the responsibility of the father to impart life and vision to his sons and daughters. Sons will never mature into godly men without the wise counsel of fathers. Do you see how important it is to be a good father? A godly man of God? A godly man? It says, therefore, it is, it is possible to lose. This is what we talked about last time to lose an entire generation as a result of a leadership gap. One of the consequences of a leadership gap is rebellion against established authority. Why are there so many gangs? No fathers. David, your, your policeman, how many calls have you gone on where you see there's one parent? 
And so we wonder why we have what's going on. And you, you look at the school shootings. Yeah, that's, that's tragic. But it all comes back to, I wonder how many of these people that were involved in school shootings that, that were perpetrators were not raised in a good home, did not have a father. So you, you see what can happen. We said the ability to create a... Now, this is what I told you last time. The ability to create a baby does not qualify one as a man. The test of manhood is the ability to raise children and to be an example, nurturing them to a place of maturity where they're not confused about their identities or purposes. I've never been confused about the fact that I'm a man. I'm wondering if I'm a man. <laughs> never. never. 60 years, I've never looked in the mirror and thought, I could be a woman. <clears throat> right? And, and that's a sad thing. But if you don't have a male in the household, a strong man, imparting vision imparting anointing, imparting purpose into the lives of kids, they're going to grow up without a sense of purpose and wondering who they are. So it's important. Now listen, are any of us perfect fathers? No. 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 You know, I can look back and I could beat myself up. I've been in the ministry. My, my kids have been exposed to... Abe's dad they, was, is a pastor and he grew up do you see a lot of tough things, Abe, growing up in the household? Mm -hmm. Hard on mom and dad, it affects that. But you know what? My kids aren't perfect. My boys are characters. But they both tithe. Never have to tell them to tithe. We get a, a minister here, a special minister, minister gift. They'll give an offering. We don't have to tell them to do that. Why? Because mom and dad have put that into them. You know? No, they're not perfect, you know, but they know how important it is to go to church. Might, they might not always want to go to church, but they know they need to go to church. And so these are things a lot of young people today, even Christians, Christian families, the importance of, of church isn't that big a deal. You know, the importance of tithing and giving isn't that big a deal. Um, we said a true man will be known by his character. How do you judge a, you know, a tree? By its fruit. What kind of fruit? When a man submits to the authority of God, we said he will be blessed. So if you as I, as men and as fathers, as husbands, we're, we're doing what we know we can do, and maybe we're not perfect, we make mistakes, God honors that, he's a merciful God, his mercies are new every day, but the Bible says we'll be blessed. You'll experience increase if, if you'll do these things and, and, and fulfill your responsibility as a man of God. We said that manhood is something that is achieved first as revelation from God. It requires an impartation that me, must be nurtured and then affirmed. Manhood must be both taught and caught. And that's what, what, what we said how important is the anointing of God. You catch the anointing of God. Well, the young man growing up in households are going to catch some things from, from, from dad and from grandpa. 
We don't want to leave the grandpa equation out because grandpas are so important. Because, you know, as we grow older, you know, I'll, I'll, I'd love to have grandkids. I'm 60 now and I probably, I'm doing the math, it'll probably be, I'll probably be 65, 67 before I have my first grandkid. But I know I can put something into them. Brian, you're already doing that. Take them hunting. Take them fishing. Take them shooting guns. Do something manly with them. Hunt mushrooms. Amen? These things are so important. Now, I want to go on and I'm going to read to you here. Um, I want to talk about the covering of Father and some misconceptions of fatherhood. We said the idea that fatherhood is simply to provide things for his family. So maybe that is what you thought fatherhood was. was. It just encompassed the fact that, that you're supposed to provide and, and, and have a job and have money and, and be able to bless them with a place to live and clothing and, and, and a vehicle or whatever. Just because the father is home all the time, and provides the necessities of life for his family, doesn't mean he's providing vision and spiritual protection for his family. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying you might be home every day as dad. You might have a nine-to-five job. And you come home, and you're, 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 in, you're in the building. You're in the house with the kids. Day after day, you might be there in presence, but you're not providing vision, and you're not not being an example to your kid. Just because you're home, and you sit down at the dinner table, and put your feet under the table day after day after day, if you're not putting something into them that they're going to remember for the rest of their life, if you're not talking to them, trying to gauge conversation. Now, with, with Caleb, he talks. He talks a lot. He calls his mother. He doesn't call me. His mother and him are two of the same personalities. They can just sit and visit and visit and visit and visit. Mike, on the other hand, he's like me. You know, just to the point, get down to the bottom line. But the thing is, as parents, you've got to take time to enter their world. You've got to take time to find out what their interests are and nurture them and develop those interests. It, it didn't take long, you know, for, for Kathy and I realized, you know, Kathy prayed for our first son, Caleb, that he would be, he'd love the outdoors. Well, he's a trapper, he's a fisherman, he's a hunter. He loves the outdoors. Now, I don't think she prayed that for Micah, but Micah's followed suit not so much as Caleb. Micah loves guns. He, he gets disgusted because he didn't have enough money. If he had all the money in the world, he'd be, our house, we'd have guns, Steve, everywhere. We'd have gun safes. Our gun safe now is so full, it's overflowing. He's buying guns. He's, yesterday, where I came home, there he was, going around the corner, Ron, had his holes turning his gun on, practicing drawing and the kid's good he's got an instinct 
You know, and he, he does, goes through the whole thing, and I keep saying, you ought to be a policeman. You ought to go into law enforcement. And he just said, no. He knows he doesn't want to do that. But he'd love to be an instructor. See? And so, we, you know, we have not done everything right as parents for our boys. Like I said, we've, they've been exposed to some horrific things from being in the ministry and being pastor's kids. And they've watched how people have treated their their parents. Overall, they've seen we've got good people here that treat us well. But through the years, we've had some circumstances. But yet, we've nurtured them and we've given them an opportunity to fulfill their their desires. You know, I, there's times, guys, I'd take, I'd go with Caleb. I didn't feel like going hunting. I didn't feel like doing something. But, you know, I didn't, in fact, I didn't feel like it. I really didn't know how to do it. I'll never forget, you know, Dennis, one time he let, let us up and we'd sit, in, we sat in your tower and we went hunting. He just, just loved that, you know. That, those were things that just started the whole thing. There's, there's areas that, I'll be honest, guys, I've missed it. I've missed it as a father. I regret some things I've done. I regret some things I haven't done. Sins of omission, sins of commission. But what do you got to do? You can't beat yourself up and, and think, I could have done this, I couldn't have done You can't live in the past. If you live in the past, you're not going to accomplish anything. But it's not too late to become a better father. It's not too late to become a good grand, grandparent. Amen? God's a, you know, how do you, how do you think my heavenly, I think about my heavenly father, what he thinks about me sometimes. He's got to be up there going. Yeah. I thought he would have learned by now. But you just hear the word that just came out of his mouth. Just look what he's done, you know. But God is, a, his mercies are new every day. So guys, don't be so hard on yourself. Just make the adjustments and, and, and start taking time and, and investing time with your grandkids and, and uh, love them and play with them. Amen? Amen. Amen. We said that, uh, I got off on a tangent, just because a father's home and, to, and provides necessities of life for his family doesn't mean he's providing vision and spiritual protection. He's present. Now, this is what I want you to see. He's present, but not engaged. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now. The father's present, but he's not engaged. Engaged means what? That means being interested in your kids. Asking them questions. My wife, God bless her, she asked the boys questions. And I wanted to say, just you're going to learn. Just shut up. Don't drill them with so many questions. Mike could, you can ask him what, what day, nice day had. How was work? <laughs> Walks in the other room. You really, I don't know if you guys relate to that or not, what your kids are like, but you know, sometimes they will. You know, if they got a problem or something, then they'll talk. You know, I last night, Micah was asked to, to take care of, um, we had a wedding last week. Caleb's was in the wedding, and it's one of his buddies. And they went to Mexico on their honeymoon, so they asked Micah to take care of the dogs, plural. <laughs> Teeling. <laughs> 
And Micah said, yeah. And they wanted him to stay all night every night with them. Well, the first night Micah comes home, he texts me at 12.30. He said, I can't sleep. Well, the, the German shepherd was so wild. He couldn't, was jumping, you know. I have blood scrapes from the dog. Well, guess what? Mike is gone all day, so guess who has to go over there? <laughs> me. And the first day, one's kind of a Rottweiler, and that was the one that made me nervous. I'm not afraid of dogs, but I, I, I went up there and I gave them treats, and they got out, and the German Shepherd had opened up, and he just one of those all over me, jumping up and down, and there's a cat. And I thought, my God, it stinks in here. Horrific yeah. smell. Well, I look, and there's the cat litter box on top of the kennel, and the cat's in it doing his thing. You know, and it just hit me. And I thought, oh. But what did I do? I went over there at least twice, two, three times a day. Did I want to do that? No. But, and, but this is what I said. Last night, we were getting ready. Mike and I always stay up late, and I get ready to bed. And I said, good night, I love you. And he says, I love you, Dad. And he came over and put a, a hug, hugged me and said, thanks for helping me this week. <coughs> Sometimes you'll wonder if your kids really love you. <laughs> And then sometimes you'll do something like that. That's why you need to give me hugs once in a while, you know. <laughs> Jesus is our ultimate example. Look at Mark 3. If you have a Bible, look at this. I want you to see this in Mark chapter 3. I'll tell you what, man. Enjoy your kids now if you're a young father because before long you'll be 60 and they'll be out of school and they'll be out of college and they'll be married and they'll be gone. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Sometimes that's good. <laughs> no. Look at this in Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. This, this scripture I've highlighted in my Bible for years. It says, And he went up to the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted and they came to him. And then he appointed twelve that they might be what? With him. With him. And that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. And, and that's what I want you to see. Jesus taught and trained his disciples, did he not? But, but you notice that it, it says here, first of all, it says that they might be with him. Yeah. They spent time together, fellowshipping around a meal together, in prayer together, in isolated areas sometimes because of the crowds. But he made sure he spent time with his disciples before he sent them out to do the work of the ministry. That's why, guys, it's so important. And Jesus is the ultimate example. Just be with your kids. Enjoy their company. Like I said, I can look back and think I was so busy doing things that, I, that maybe I could have spent more time doing the things I should have with my kids. Just being with them. Just relaxing. That's hard. It's been hard for me to do that. That's, I'm not a person that can easily relax. Some of you are good at it. I envy you. My wife's good at it. She sit down. I said, "Let's watch the Food Network and watch a half-hour show in ten minutes." She's sleeping. I look over. She's like this. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm so relaxed. I can sit there and watch and not go to sleep. I've never fallen asleep in a chair. Mm -mm. 
It's just the way I'm wired. I'm hoping here maybe by 70. <laughs> Jesus provided for his disciples, but more importantly, he spent time with them, teaching and training them so they could go out and do the work of the ministry. I sat and reflected, and, and I might not get to all this today, but I, this is so important because as, as I have been doing this series on fatherhood, I've reflected on my own natural father. Now, some of you maybe didn't grow up and, and have the luxury and the benefit and the blessing of having a dad that was at home. They really, truly, my father is a good man. You know, he didn't become really a, a spiritual man till later in life as he was dying of cancer. But he was a good man. And I thought about this, and I began to just write down things because I can remember vividly my father. He was a businessman. He worked. He was diligent. He was at work on time. I can remember him vacuuming the floor and washing the windows, and then that became my job. But the thing that I, the things that stand out with me is my my dad, of course, grew up through the depression, and a lot of his friends growing up were a rough crew. And I'll never forget, you know, Dad tell me the story. He thought one time he wanted to box. Well, we, you know, and so he had a friend, and they back then they said the the tough and the rough crowd lived across the tracks on the other side of the tracks, which they did. And Dad said he went out and was at the fairgrounds. He got in the ring with this guy, and the guy just cleaned his clock, knocked him out. But my dad had the ability to make friends with all kinds of people. He wasn't an elitist-type attitude. He was a businessman, but anybody could come into his place of business and he could engage in conversation, and he could serve them. And I can remember there were times that there were some nasty people, and my father would always, you know, maintain his, his composure. And I grew up watching my dad treat people the way God really should be treated. And he, and he wasn't that much of a spiritual religious guy. It just was in him to serve people. And he was friends with all kinds of people. How do I know that? Growing up as a kid, vivid memories of my father's army buddies, Ron, showing up, just showing up on the doorstep without calling ahead. And my mom, they'd come and they'd stay a few days with us. It was different back then. And I can remember his army buddies sitting there, and they're all sitting around. Of course, they're drinking. Nothing's changed. They still do that. And telling stories. And, and the way I could tell that these men loved my father. They were in... They were in uh, my dad was in the army band. It was a really up there army band. And played all over. And then he was an MP. But it, it impressed me. The things that, that he did. I, I wrote down... He'd take kids, neighborhood kids. There must have been a half a dozen of us that lived in the neighborhood. He'd take us on hikes. I'll never forget, he, he showed me how to make a slingshot. 
Just different back then, guys. Lots slower pace. He, he'd sit down. You were a music, musician. Your folks are musicians. We, I played trumpet. He played clarinet. He would sit down and he'd play music with me. He'd teach me. He was in a, in a, a nightclub band. And, and I followed suit and, and played in that same band years later. These are things that my dad did. He'd take me golfing. He was, a, he was an excellent golfer. You know, we'd fish. We'd hunt. He would, he would take time in a, in a blizzard and walk two blocks to help an elderly old woman that lived in a house where they had a wood, she had a wood stove and that's all she had in the house. We Back then, guys, you'd visit your relatives. Do you, do, you, do you remember that growing up, Steve? I don't know. Sundays, you'd visit your relatives. You'd sit down and you'd tell stories and you'd talk. You know, so many things that my father did. And to this day, I'm 60 years old, I can vividly remember instances where he took time to be with me and do something with me. I know there's time I'd say, Dad, he'd come home after working on a Thursday night. They were open to, the stores were open till 9 o'clock at night and there'd be snow. I'd say, let's go sledding. Well, he, he worked all day, 12-hour day. He'd do it. Was he a perfect guy? No. Come to find out, after growing older, I realized my father suffered from depression. They didn't diagnose it back then like they do now. They didn't give him medication. He had constant migraine headaches. We'd go places, and if there was a crowd, he'd have to go sit in the car. He had issues. We all have issues. But I hope I, I, I inherited more of the good than I did the bad, and I think I have. So guys, you know, we think. I know you lost your dad, too, and, but you look back, perfect, no. But there's some things that he put in you, wasn't there? All of us, guys. How many of you can think of something that your dad, not perfect, but has done something to be a blessing to you? Sure. So important. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul writes, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So when Paul, you know, he says, I used to be a kid and I talked like a kid, I thought like a kid, I reasoned like a kid, but when I became a man, I had to put that behind me. Children think in terms of need. Children, young, when you're young, adolescents, you think in terms of need. I need this. I want this. Give me this. Does that sound like kids? When is dinner ready? What are we having for dinner? Of course, most men, I still say that. <laughs> What's for dinner? Uh, I don't sound good. <laughs> I'm hungry, right? Paul states, when he became a man, he put those childish ways behind him or just needing this and needing that. 
Now Paul realizes his responsibility and role is to the needs of others. So, bottom line, you're coming down about, we're talking about fatherhood. We're talking about the character of a man of God. As you evolve into that, becoming a man of God, you're no longer thinking about me. You know, there's times I wanted to do something as a father. We're all, we're all that way. We all had other interests. And that's good. God wired us that way. But there's times I had to put those things you know, on the back burner and take time to do the things that my kids want to do. I used to be, you know, years ago, a little more legalistic and a little more rigid about church attendance. And I've told Abe, I says, Abe, you got, he's, you know, Ben's playing soccer. I says, if there's a soccer thing on a Sunday, it's all right. Now, years ago, I wouldn't have done that. I would have said, you need to be here. You got three or four Sundays off a year. Have I not told you, when you got a family function, you got to do that? My dad was that way too. Well, and he's changed. Really? He's mm-hmm. come the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, guys, I, I, I'm sorry, but there's things I regret that I was as a minister 20 years ago. I was hard and rigid. Opinionated, still that. I'm a preacher. I'm going to tell you the truth, whether you want to hear it or not. But I've learned... You, you can be so the faith movement made that made many ministers that way where you're so legalistic. I love certain faith ministers, but there's some things as I've grown older I don't like about them. They're too legalistic and too rigid, and I want to say, you know what? I've watched p- pastors with their kids just basically having them by the scruff of the neck, pulling them here and there and saying, you got to go there and make sure you carry your Bible and you dress this way and you talk this way and you act that way. Now, I realize, yeah, your kids need to be respectful. I understand that. But if we become so legalistic and so hard on our kids, you know, there's times my kids have come home and, and, I, and I said, you don't need to go to church today. Stay in bed. You know what some ministers would fall over and have a coronary. It's the truth. Now, I expect them. And Mike, you see my kids. Have they been in church? Have you been here in this church how many years? They've been here. Pretty regular. But as they get older, they have other interests. They have other responsibilities. But, you know, guys, we can become so hard and so harsh and, and, and try to make them into something God doesn't want them to be. I don't think my sons are called to be pastors. And I'm not going to make them be pastors. Whereas many ministers today are old men. They don't have a church anymore. And their kids are in the world. And they want nothing to do with God or the church. It's because their fathers were too hard and too harsh and too legalistic. Now, there's a balance. I understand that. But I'll tell you what, I've learned some things. Amen? Amen. So we as as men have to be um, good about meeting the needs of others. Now, just a few minutes here, and I won't get all this, but I want to read to you. Let Let me look at this and see what I want to read here. The author says the difference between childhood and adulthood is not simply an, a, an awareness of the bigger picture, 
Paul emphatically declares that when he became a man, he put childish ways behind him. This simply meant that he no longer thought from a child's perspective. How many adults do you know still think from a child's perspective? As an adult, as a father, he still begins from the position of need, but realizes his responsibility and role is to see the needs of others are met. This is just like the Heavenly Father. He's promised to provide for all of man's needs. Nothing is too big for him. Following God's example, a mature man thinks differently. He anticipates the needs of his family and begins drafting plans to take care of them. A mature man must first realize there are needs beyond just the physical spheres of food and shelter. A mature man understands that the greatest needs of his family are spiritual. Boy, let that sink in, guys. Let me say it again. A mature man of God understands that the greatest needs of his family are spiritual. He comprehends that he must play a major role in providing guidance and instruction for his family so they understand their identities and purposes in light of the will of God. He prayerfully discerns that he must provide instruction concerning finances. He must be the example in his own home of stewardship. Stewardship is definitely not limited to just to finances, but finances serve as the best test of one's stewardship because they represent sacrifice and priorities, God must be honored first. So men, we have to make sure that our kids understand that God must be honored first. You pay the tithe to the church. You don't have an issue with that. Did you have an issue? Have you ever had an issue? No. And your boys don't. So do you see that? My boys don't. Why? Because the fathers and the mothers made sure that was a priority. I'll be honest. I'll say something. Don't, don't, maybe I shouldn't say something. I'm going to say this. <clears throat> Your kids might live like the devil. But if they're still tithing, I'll tell you what. You need to have hope. Yeah, they might not be perfect. They not, might not be what you think they should be. But if there's no argument about tithing or giving, there's an open door for God to bless them. And yes, it might take a while. And yes, they might have to fall down and skin their knees and get in trouble. But if they're doing that, there's a, there's, God has license to enter that in kid's life and then begin to help them. I want you to understand how important it is. You think we harp on tithing and giving, but I tell you what, tithing is so important. My natural father, I grew up in the Methodist church. I didn't know what tithing was. They didn't give 10% of their income to the church. They weren't taught that. They didn't know better. But my one thing my father was, he was a giver. I can remember as a kid, there was a missionary that, that I went to school with his sister, and, and this young man came in. He was a missionary to Africa. And I remember my father taking him to his back office and setting him down. And from then on, my father supported his mission work. No, he wasn't a tither, but he was a giver. My dad would give. Well, he, he, had, he, had, a, he had the giving gift. There's a gift of giving, folks. 
And that gift is in me. It's been passed down. See, you not only inherit bad genes, you inherit good things. So I've never had an issue with, with you know, not giving. I love to give. <coughs> he says, um, As an adult, as a father, he still begins from the position of need, but realizes the responsibility and role is to see that the needs of others are met. And I, I want you guys to get that. That's the difference between uh, a mature man of God and an immature man of God. And a mature father is that you're going to see the needs of others will be met. Amen? Amen. He says... Um, this is a strategic lesson that every father can share. I'm almost done with this family. This responsibility is great because a father must cast the vision of stewardship for his wife. She's the senior partner, and children will never experience success with their finances until both the husband and wife demonstrate the value of teamwork and commitment to a greater vision. My wife is so good with money. You know, my boys and, and Kaylee, they come to her, and, and she gives them sound advice. The inability of the husband and wife to walk in agreement concerning their finances. Are you listening, David? The inability of the husband and wife to walk in agreement concerning their finances is definitely one of the major reasons marriages are compromised. The adult man must think differently. The father must see beyond the present moment. There are many needs that his family will have. Some of them may involve transportation, while others may be medical. The mature man must take into consideration the educational needs of his children and make preparation to provide for those needs. More importantly, he must impart to his own children the value of an education and the benefits of an academic achievement. This author is a black man. And very well educated. So you can see where he would get that. We were just talking, Kathy and I. Now, I'm going to make some of you mad. Well, that's, I've made mm -hmm. mad, people mad before. About education today. We were sitting having coffee. And how many <coughs> think that you have to have a four-year degree to be successful in life? That's it right there. How many educated young men and women with Bachelor of Arts degree or Bachelor of Science degree or Master's of degree are, are not successful and haven't been plugged into society. Yes, they have a great education, but maybe if their father and mother had found out what makes them tick early on in life, they could have kind of navigated them, pushed them gently in another direction. Too many people are well-educated they might have an education, they might have a degree, but they're not really successful and they're not being fulfilled in life. I believe in education. You know, Mike just got a two-year and he's thinking about going back in physical therapy, more education. If that's what he does, that's fine. Caleb went to o Omaha Metro for two years, or a year and a half, for cabinet building. And he's not really doing that, and, you know. So guys, don't push your kids so much. I'm all for education, but just find out what makes them tick. Now, let me, um, let me finish. He says, um, The mature man arrives at manhood when he comprehends he must have a vision and a plan. He must lead because he is responsible. 
and has accepted his responsibility as a provider. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Using the analogy analogy of a train for a moment, picture a train with every car connected and running on the same track. The father's like the engine and is responsible to see that every to see that every car connected to him reaches the appointed destination. The father must lead by example because each car following him must travel the same path that he has gone. He must always be aware of his witness and responsibility represent his heavenly father to his family. There are no shortcuts. If he finds himself derailed, all the other cars will follow. They will be affected by his success or failure. Therefore, a mature man must be involved, engaged, and encouraging because he will be accountable for the mental and emotional lives of his family. A real man thinks differently. Boy, that's good. That's, that's good stuff, guys. And I don't want you to leave here feeling sorry for yourself and thinking I could have been a better father, I could be a better father. This is why we're doing this. So all of us can make the adjustments that we need to make now. Amen? I hope Abe and I hope Caleb and Micah aren't going to grow up and maybe be like your father and my father was early on in ministry. You saw... The, maybe the negative side, but you've seen the adjustment that we've made. That's all I'm saying is, guys, make adjustments. Amen? Let's stand up. Did I turn? I don't even know if we got now the screen's... Where's Nate? Who's my guy? I might have bumped it and gone. I hate this kind of text. Gee, just give me a microphone. Call it justice.